one. All right, I want you to go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to finish up chapter 4 this evening. I enjoy our Wednesday evening worship and study. We, 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 we sing a little less, and uh, we're very sensitive to for the time frame of our workers down there, and then we know that got to coordinate up there, uh, down there and things. But we want to go to Scripture this evening. We're finishing up chapter number 4. I won't make you stand, but I want to tell you, we, we reverence the Word of God. You know, we've, we've, we've agreed to change the name of our church. You notice the beautiful name out there, Trinity Life Church. And it's behind me, I guess. And uh, I think that's a beautiful name. And let me just tell you, I'll prophesy to you in the name of Jesus. The Lord is going to bless us on this property. We're going to be a New Testament church. I'm not interested in being some silly, shallow church that, that cares nothing about the Word of God. But we love the Word of God. We love the Spirit of God. And we just want to follow the Lord. But I'm grateful for our congregation. Grateful for where, where we're headed. We're in this series called The Corinthian Crisis. Paul's Word to a Wayward Church. Paul loves this church at Corinth. And we're going to talk this evening, just a few minutes, on three things that we're going to see in the life of the Apostle Paul. Three things that are going to come out of these few verses. I want to title the message, The Way of a Father. Did you hear that? The Way of a Father. You know what we're in desperate need of in America today? Fathers. You look at the statistics, a lot of absent fathers. How I many of the father, a father can make all the difference in the world. But not only, listen to me, not only are we in desperate need of fathers in our American culture today, but that's what we need in the church. We need some spiritual fathers in the church. We're going to look at Paul. Do you know Paul was a spiritual father? He was the father of the Corinthian church, and I'll define what that means. But so let's look at this. Just, I won't make you stand, but I want you to stand in your heart as we reverence the Word of God. Just listen to this. Paul writes in the Word of the Lord, this is the Word of the Lord, he says, I do not write these things to you to shame you. Notice this. But as my beloved children, I warn you. Now think about this. This is what a real father does. Then he says in verse 15, for though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. He's a father to the church. Therefore I urge you, imitate me. For this reason I have sent Timothy to you, who is my beloved and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. I want you to notice that. I'll probably come back to that later. This is what Paul teaches where? Everywhere in every church. Sometimes churches are so different, they've gone out of the gospel. I mean, there are going to be some differences, but let me tell you, there's going to be more similarities why? There's one faith, one baptism, one God, one truth. 
Amen. So we want to stay, we want to stay moored to this right here, the word of the Lord. So he said, I teach in Christ. I teach everywhere in every church. Verse 18. Now some are puffed up. Remember what I told you last week? That word puffed up is where we get the word in our modern English, bellows. You know what a bellows is? You know, you, you puff wind, you, you, pu- you push wind in something with an instrument. And what's happening is something is happening. Something is entered in the Corinthian church, not by the spirit of God, another spirit. And, and they're puffed up. The spirit of God doesn't puff us up. It, it lowers us down of, of submission and dependence. They're puffed up. He said, he said here, some of you are puffed up as though I were not coming to you. I mean, they're, they're, they're very arrogant against the father, the, the minister at the church. And he says here, but I will come to you shortly if the Lord wills. And I will know not the word of those who are puffed up, but the power, not the word, but the power. Notice this, for the kingdom of God is not word in word but in power what do you want what do you want corinthians what do you want shall i come to you with a rod or in love and a spirit of gentleness the way of a father all right let's look at this now what we know is we as we look at corinthians the apostle has just in, in fact, a couple chapters before, or the chapter before, he indicates that the church is a family. And there's many metaphors about what the church is. But in chapter 3, verse 1, he says, I, brethren, that's a family term. And then in the same verse, he says, could not speak to you as spiritual, but as carnal, even babes. What is that? So here's a household of faith. I mean, we're the household of faith. And there's, he's got his brothers there. I have brothers. I have two brothers. And then there's babes in the house. If you read Timothy, there's a lot of people in the house. There's, in, in 1 Timothy 5, there's seven different relationships in the, in the church. That, of course, that was Ephesus. So what we see here is Paul has been talking about the local church as a family. But now he's going to talk about the minister as a father. And he's going to tell us three things that a spiritual father does now paul never called himself a, 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 a he never had people call him father but what he's doing is he's comparing his ministry to what a father would do you know jesus said don't call anyone father or don't you know don't they're not a source god's a source but so so paul is not going beyond he he knows the teaching of jesus in this matter he's not saying oh you got to call me father i was raised in a church where you called the minister father you know, and I've had people that, that through the years that had come to me from that branch of, you know, religion, and they say, Father, they come up after the service, Father. <laughs> that don't even sound good, Father Childs, you know. You know, you can call me Father because I am your Father and your Father and your Father. But, uh, but here he's comparing himself with a spiritual father. What he's going to do is he's going to remind them of how he ministered among them. Now, this is for ministers, but in a sense, this is for all of us, especially the men in here, especially the fathers in here, especially the grandfathers in here. What we need in the church is fathers, spiritual fathers. What we need in our homes are spiritual fathers, grandfathers that are here. I have three grandboys and, and another grandboy on the way. You know, we had four daughters and then, you know, we got the cheerleading squad. Now the football team's coming on. Come on. Amen. 
So let's look at the three things that Paul did. First of all, in verse 14 and 15, what we see here is this. Paul founded the family. Paul founded the family. Look at it again. He said, don't write to, you know, to shame you, but I write you as beloved children. I warn you because you might have a lot of instructors, but I'm, I, I begot you through the gospel. He's talking about spiritual birth took place here. So what are, who are these people? These are, these are his beloved children. Now, there's a very unique th- thing that happens when you have a chance to minister to someone. There's a bond that happens there. But I'll tell you this. When you, when you have a chance to win someone to Christ, God saves them, but he uses people many times to do that. He uses people to share the gospel, to share a witness. And I've had this privilege many times throughout my ministry. So Paul, in a sense, was the, was the parent. He didn't have, we, now think about this. We don't lord over anyone's faith. It doesn't matter how many people you win. You're not their Lord. Jesus is their Lord. But there is a sense of spiritual parenting and a sense of spiritual caring that goes on there. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.24, not that we lord it over your faith. So even though Paul was the spiritual father of the church, he didn't have an undue lordship over them. Okay? There's some of that stuff that goes on in some, some branches of different denominations that's very unhealthy very unhealthy. We don't lord over anyone's faith, but there needs to be fatherly influence there for, for sure. There's not no special authority, but there is a very special relationship that goes on. This young man over here that led our prayers, Brother Reese, in a sense, I'm his spiritual father. He came to my office on a Saturday afternoon many years ago, several years back, many years back now. At two o'clock, we spent two hours together lost, undone, bound, and in sin, and without God. And in those two hours, God gloriously saved this young man, gloriously delivered him from all his shackles, three weeks later, filled him with the Holy Spirit, called him to ministry. He just took a, uh, he's going through our, our district school of ministry, our, our Bible school for our district. He scored a 100 on this minister test. Come on, I'm very proud of him. So Amen. There's a, there's a bond that takes place there. Many years ago in the late 80s, there was a young man. He, he was just 13, 14 years old then. His name was Jesse. And the Lord put this young man on my heart. I was youth pastor at this church for six years. Let me tell you something, six years. You got to be tough to be a youth pastor at a church for six years. Here's the reason why. <clears throat> the reason why is because youth ministry is very tough because they can love you this week, hate you next week. And I just never had the philosophy that I had to entertain kids all the time. I never bought into that. And I never, those, those parents that wanted that didn't last very long. We had a lot of fun. We did a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of stuff, a lot of fun. There was a lot of fun that went on, but that wasn't the main goal. The main goal was to develop strong young people. The main goal was to bring forth fruit for Christ. And so uh, many times in those youth services, the Spirit of God would move greatly. And, and our service sometimes went longer than the, 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 the main service in the sanctuary because those kids would just respond. But, but there was a young man named Jesse, and Jesse wasn't saved, and his mom and dad were divorced. One lived in Lawton, one lived in Duncan. And so on certain weekends, he would be going to church. And when he was with her in that week, he would, you know, come to youth service and then he'd miss because he'd be with his dad. And, and so I began to pursue him, but it was the Holy Spirit in me. 
And I would call and tell his mom, I'm going to come over and talk to Jesse. And so he would hear I was coming. He would leave. Literally, he would leave. And I'd show up, and she said, I told him you're here, but he left. So sometimes I'd sneak over there after school, knock on the door. He wouldn't answer the door. No, really, he was running from God. Long story short, we were praying for Jesse, and as we prayed and sought the Lord for him, something happened. Now, you can believe this or not. I believe it because I know God is a supernatural God. But something had happened late one night to where he had a vision. And I was in the vision, and he, he had been in those youth services. And in that youth service, I was, he could hear me saying, you need to get right with God. You need to get right with God now. Now, the proof's in the pudding. If that was, the, I can tell you, the devil wouldn't have given him a dream like that, right? Or a vision like that. Well, through all this, and I won't tell you how that happened, but through all this, that next Wednesday night after this happened, this really dangerous thing happened, and God shook him up to his core. Here's a young man running from God. Here's a young man that doesn't want to serve God, that's, you know, doing all kind of stuff. Teenage boy, 13, 14 years old. All of a sudden, that next Wednesday after that happened, we worshiped as young people, and I preached the Word of God. He came to the altar, and I'm going to tell you this. You, you'll know what I mean. He wept through. He wept. He wept through at an old-fashioned altar, repented of his sin, literally broke before God, and got saved. And he looked at me after we prayed together. He prayed so long, all the other kids had gone. Just tears, brokenness. I mean, no, that's God. He got saved. He said, Pastor Charles, Brother Joe, Brother Joe, he called me. Brother Joe, he said, I'm going to make a commitment to you that if none of these other kids are going to serve God, I'm going to serve God. If none of these kids come to prayer meeting, I'm coming to prayer meeting. If none of these other kids witness, I'm going to witness. And he made an incredible commitment to Christ. And I, the revival that took place in our youth group, I, I traced to that night that Jesse made a commitment to Christ. The kid. Revival started happening. I would take Jesse out, and we'd go witnessing on the streets. I'd go picking up at school, and we'd go to Mazio's Pizza. We don't have Mazio's Pizza down here, but in Duncan they did. And, and I taught him how to witness. And, and later on, he went to Bible college and, and was a youth pastor of a great church down in Austin with many things happening. And every year... Jesse calls me every year. He calls me and he'll say, I think he's in Colorado Springs now. Every year he'll call me. And now he's like, he got kids of his own. And, you know, uh, you know, this is like 30 years ago or getting there. Every year, Jesse calls me and said, Brother Charles, I want to thank you for not giving up on me. Thank you for pursuing me. Thank you. It's because of you that I'm saved today. And I want to thank you. Every year he calls me like that. How I many know there's a special bond that takes place when you lead someone to Christ? The, 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 the pastor at, at uh, the pastor in, um, I think it's Central, it's out in Greenville. It's right on the road out there. It's very nice, large church, nice church out there. Mike Sanders, Mike Sanders came in the ministry, under my ministry. And every time we're in a big old meeting, he'll say, he'll, he'll normally says, Brother Childs, is the one that, that gave me a chance and brought me in the ministry. We know the Lord did it, but the Lord used his people. What am I saying? I'm saying this. The Apostle Paul founded the family. And there's a special relationship that takes place when you win someone to Christ 
or when you minister to them in some level, and I'm grateful for this. See, the local church is a place where people need to get born of God, through the Word of God and the Spirit of God, and then it's a place where, born, where, where baby Christians can grow up in their faith. Our church, Trinity Life Church, here's, here's our mission statement. You want to hear it? We're going to rehearse this over and again. Knowing Him, getting to know Him, and making Him known. Now just think of how simple but powerful that statement is. Knowing Him, that's salvation. Getting to know Him, discipleship. Making Him known, evangelism and, and, and worship really under getting to know Him. That's simple. Anyone can remember that. What's our church about? Knowing him, getting to know him, making him known. Anyone, a third, third grader could know that. That's what we're about. That's what the church is about. The church is about winning the loss or, or being saved and growing in our faith and discipleship and then making him known to others. And so those are the things. Here's, here's the thing that you need to know as if someone, you know, Paul founded this church and these people got saved but, what I, but the, the church is a place where people can grow. But here's what I want to tell you. You have to submit to discipleship. Do you know why many people don't grow? They won't submit to discipleship. I, I've seen people that want to join the church. And I say, okay, well, let's, there's, I want to do four, four Sunday mornings membership class. They, they can't make two of them. What's wrong when, when we, want, we say I want to follow Christ? I want to go deep with him. I can't make four classes. You see, it's, it's a part of what's happening in the religious culture today. If we're really going to grow in our faith and become what Jesus wants, to, we have to submit to discipleship, which is discipline. Discipline. We should, do you know, we should be the most disciplined people on the face of the earth. No lost person should be as disciplined as we are. We should be disciplined in our prayers, disciplined in our study of the Word of God, disciplined in the way that we live and conduct our lives. Why? We have the Spirit of God in us. We have Jesus that's Lord of our lives and governing us and leading us and walking in the Spirit of God. Now, Paul didn't take any credit for their conversion. Nobody, Paul couldn't win. Paul couldn't give birth to anyone. Only the spirit of God could do that. And only the gospel could do that. See, we're born again. How? Through the ministry of the Holy Spirit and through the ministry of the word of God. Here's what Jesus said. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is what? Spirit. What did, what did Peter say? Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible through the word of God, which lives for, and abides forever because all flesh is grass. And all the glory of man is the flower of grass. Grass withers, and the flower fails, falls away. But the word of the Lord endures forever. It gives eternal life. Amen? Now, this is the word of the gospel, which was preached to you. Paul didn't take any credit for that. Paul was like the, uh, what are they called? The, uh, uh, the, one that, the ladies that deliver the, the babies. Midwives. Paul was like the midwife. God did the work. Paul just assisted. I mean, you know, we can assist in bringing people to Christ. The whole, Jesus has to do it. The word Spirit of God has to do it. The Word of God has to do it. But we can be His witnesses as we're led by the Spirit of God. But He gets all the glory. Amen. So what did Paul do? Paul founded a family. He was their spiritual father. He cared deeply for them. 
This, he agreed. Listen, we know more about the Corinthian church than any church in the New Testament. We know more about this church than, than Ephesus or Colossae or, you know, Hierapolis or all the, wherever all these churches were, everywhere. We know more about this church. It, it, he loved them deeply. He grieved deeply. He rebuked deeply. He loved deeply. He loved them. And it broke his heart 10,000 times. Why? He was a father to them. He was a spiritual father. Second thing, look at this. Paul was also an example. We need some examples for the family. Verse 16, 17, you know that children have a way of imitating what they see. Did you know that? Little eyes are watching us. Little ears are listening to us. Little, little feet are following us. So, so they imitate their parents, whether good or bad. They imitate their parents. And researchers tell us that teenagers learn to drink from their parents, not their peers. A lot of the behavior that kids are having in society today, they learned it at home. So doesn't that, doesn't that put the responsibility on us? Verse 16 says the word imitate there, imitate me, is where we get the word mimic, mimic from. Paul said in another place, Philippians 3.17, Brethren, join in following my example, and note those who also walk as, as you have us for a pattern. See, kids first learn by example, not instruction. They see. A lot of the stuff we pick up, you know, psychologists tell about three or four years old, a lot of that stuff is already sealed in, in children. That's why we need these portables out here. That's why we need this kids' ministry going on here. And, and, and we're going to be capacity pretty, pretty quick. We're probably going to go to two services next year so we can, we can hold it. We're going to grow here in Jesus' name. Amen? We're going to grow here. Paul had set an example. In fact, in, later on, we'll get to this as we slowly move through this wonderful book. 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be ye followers of me, even as I am of Christ. I mean, he was living so close to the Lord. He was saying, follow me, but only as I follow Christ. That's good. I like that part. Follow me as I follow, because men are just men. And I've often said, if, if I preach anything that is contrary to this word, run away, run away, because this is truth right here. This is truth. A child may have many guardians, but they only have one father. Many, many guardians. The Corinthians had lots of teachers, Apollos, and they had Cephas, and probably many others coming through there. But the thing is, no one can take the place of a father. No one cares like a father. No one, no one, no one loves us as much as our fathers. I remember one time I had an accident, and my wife and I were coming out of Little Rock, Arkansas, driving a brand new motorhome, going to do some ministry, and we, we had a wreck and total, really, really total the thing, and it was crazy. Uh, didn't have my seatbelt on, shame on me. And so we, we were going over, if you, if you look on a map, there's a White River Bridge, White River goes through there, right outside, about 40 miles, going toward Memphis, 40 miles outside of Little Rock. And a piece of heavy equipment fell off a flatbed, and, and we hit that thing about, it was dark, it just gotten dark. 
You know how your eyes are, you know, you, you can see but can't see? And we hit that thing, cruise control, about 65, 70, hit that thing. I thought World War III had taken place. But when, when uh, where we were there, it had those, you know how they put the cattle guards out here, you know, on, on, um, on 30, where, they, where they're funneling the traffic? It had those on the left of the left side there. And so when, when we hit that, it threw us into that. Thank God we didn't go here, but we bounced off. When we did, I flew and hit the, the thing there, and it dislocated my shoulder. And my, Maddie, and Maddie and Peyton weren't here yet. Uh, Lauren and Mackenzie were very small. And so by the time we got stopped, thank God, God was gracious to us. The, uh, some truckers had seen what happened, and they radioed. And I, I was, my wife was, Missy was in the back. And so what happened is she came out and going, what? I can't even, I can't even imagine what was happening back there. She was like a ping pong ball going around there. But so uh, the thing that I was thinking of, we're going to get run over by a semi-truck. And I kept saying to her, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get. So I didn't know uh, the adrenaline was right. I didn't know I dislocated my shoulder. So I grabbed, I was going to grab my, my little girls. And I, and I grabbed one in this arm. And when I grabbed the other, and this, I was trying to, this arm wouldn't work. Didn't feel one bit of pain. No pain at all. And in my mind, I'm going, my arm doesn't work. I, why, why does my arm not work? It was just, that's how much adrenaline was flowing through. And so we got off, we got off away from the median and got off the thing there and everything. And it was just, it was, it was terrible to have to call. But one of the terrible things to have to call my boss and tell him, Hey, that motorhome, it's no more. <laughs> it's, it's total. I mean, I mean, that whole thing, it just ripped the insides of that thing out. We hit so, but anyway, here's the thing I want to tell you. We went to Murfreesboro, Tennessee. We got there. Our, our ministry team headquarters had radioed ahead and called ahead. Radioed ahead. Called ahead. They radio. They like the CBs. They called ahead and said, "Hey, brothers and sisters, they've been, here's what's happened. Have a crew there ready to help them. You know, etc." Well, my dad heard what happened. He drove all that way, hundreds of miles, just to be there. Just to be there. He said, I just, I wanted to make sure you're all right. My dad wasn't even saved then. But see, that's what a father does. And it was in that meeting that my dad gave his heart and life to Jesus Christ. Come on, amen. It was in that meeting. And here's what my dad said later. Because my dad wasn't raised in, in a church where that, that had the language of, you know, the conviction of the Holy Spirit and this and that. But my dad said, I had to go to the front. Here's what he said. It was all over me. When I gave the altar call, if you are lost and want to be saved, here's what he said. He didn't say the conviction of the Spirit. He said, it was all over me. I, I just, I had to go up there. And he prayed. It was in that meeting. But that's what a father does. No one cares like a father does. See, there had been no church in Corinth until Paul came. And even the second generation Christians we're connected to the Apostle Paul's ministry. See, here's the thing: God's children, we need all kinds of different ministries. We don't just need one voice. We, there's many ministries in the body, many preachers, many God. Now you got to make sure that God called. Amen. When, when we're giving a minister test, 
They have to write out to us before we'll grant credentials. Tell us about your call. Well, you know, I mean, if we, if we read this on, their, on what they've written, well, you know, I thought it would be a nice career choice. No, no way. We're not giving license. We're not giving credentials. I want to hear a divine call of God. Because, because one of our doctrinal statements is, is the ministry. There is a, and, and let me tell you this, and I, I, this is not arrogance. This is fact. When the, on this level, not everyone's on this level in a sense. Not everyone has the same authority level in the church. Just like in your home. There's authority levels in your home. It's the same way in the church. There is a divine call of God according to Ephesians 4, 11 and 12 that he, Jesus, gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers for the work of the ministry, for the, for the building up of the body. Servant leadership, but yet leadership. Kingdom of God leadership, yes, but it's leadership altogether. The power and the authority and the sanctioning from our Christ to lead the church, to be led by the Spirit of God, the call of God. We need all, we need all kinds of God-called people speaking into our lives, but no matter who speaks into our lives, we never forget our fathers, do we? I can tell you who my spiritual father is. My spiritual father has pastored his church over 30 years, 35 years now. He's a father to me. When I need counsel, I call my father. Sometimes I just text him, Pastor, I'm praying for you. Why, you never forget your father. Paul was an example. Paul was an example, but he was also a great instructor, a great teacher. And he taught them, and he kept them close to the word of the Lord. Let me touch this, and then let me just kind of wind this down. There's only one standard. There's not 50 standards for churches. This is the standard. This is, this is the standard for churches. You say, oh, Pastor, we're in 2018. Well, we're about to be in 2019. I don't care if we're in 2034. This is the standard for New Testament churches. And my concern is that people have gotten so far away from the Word of God that maybe that's why there's such a diversity in so many churches I realize that the, God's going to work out his plan in, in unique ways in every congregation. Didn't Philippians say that? Work out your own salvation. He's saying this to the church. Right. He's not just saying this. In, Paul said in Philippians, not just to like one person in the church. He's saying this to the body. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. So there's going to be a, a, a little bit of uniqueness, but I think there's going to be more commonalities if we're following the Spirit of God, if we're following the Word of God. There's going to be commonalities. And my concern is that we've, we've, what Paul said, gone beyond what was written. I don't want to go beyond what's written. Let's make a commitment at Trinity Life Church. We're going to stay in the word of the Lord. All right, here's our last thing. And, and I'll try to be a little bit brief here, but I want to, I want to finish this. What, what am I telling you? I'm talking about the way of a father. What, what is it? The father founded the church. The father was a great example to the church. But here's the third thing. As a father, Paul was faithful to do this, to discipline the church. You find that in verse 18 and through 21. Here's, here's what I want you to see. A child's will needs to be broken, not destroyed, broken and yielded 
or he won't make it. I mean, it's very important that our children learn early how to say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, to, to, to not to respect authority. You, if they don't learn it in the home, and that's where God expects them to learn it, in the home. And if they learn that respect in the home, guess what? They're going to go to school and be great pupils because they're going to respect when the teacher says, okay, put the book away, let's do the, do the algebra, do the math, let's do the geography, whatever. They're going to be yielded. And, and that meek spirit absorbs learning. Not, not just in the spiritual realm, but also in the natural realm. Uh, in the spiritual realm, he says, James says, receive with meekness the engrafted word of truth. Why do some kids go to school and don't get anything? Not, they don't have a spirit that's able to absorb. There's a rebellious spirit there. And, and so this, this trickles down to all of life. It's just like a cult. If a cult is not broken, it's dangerous. It's useless. I have found that the most dangerous people in the church are the carnal Christians. I've seen untold damage done by people that don't pray, don't walk in the spirit and I won't go any further but that, I, I think that's the most he said in verse 18 quickly puffed up you're puffed up you're puffed up as if I wouldn't come to you he said you're puffed up they were they were like you know he's not going to come do anything but yet he was the father of the church Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10 8 and 10 I'll look I'll read actually verse 9 he said he said, you know, he talks about his authority in verse 8, even though I have somewhat to boast, somewhat more about our authority. See, the authority which the Lord gave us for edification, not for destruction. I shall not be ashamed, lest, verse 9, lest I seem to terrify you by my letters. And here's what, here's what they were saying. Here's what the arrogant people in the church were saying about Paul. For his letters, they say, are weighty and powerful. But his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. Very worldly people would have been hard to, to pass there. Paul had been very patient with their disobedience. But now he now it's time to do something. I mean, there comes a time to do something. Amen. Comes time to deal with the sin and get, get things right. And that's what that's what Paul did. Paul did that. A faithful parent must discipline their children. We're not called to be our best friends of our kids. We're called to be parents. And we're called to give loving leadership to bring forth great disciples of Christ. That's very important. But they were puffed up. In, in fact, they were so puffed up that in, in the next chapter, 1 and 2, actually it's reported that there's sexual immorality among you, such immorality, not even named among the Gentiles. We'll get to that next time. But look at this, that a man that has his father's wife. Now notice this, you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. They were they, they should have been mourning at what's going on. And I think probably what was happening here is that these, they were thinking, oh, we're so, we're so mature, we're so tolerant. And they were glorying in this tolerance. That's not love at all. Amen. See, that's the way the world says it's love. No, if you let somebody go and sin, yeah, you can't, you can't tolerate some of that. So uh, let's, let's land this. Paul had actually, 
he had actually written them a letter, several letters he wrote. We only have two. He wrote them a letter and pray, prayed that they would obey his teaching and his words from God. And then things didn't get better. So it, it seems like in, in, in chapter 1 and chapter 16, some spiritual, more spiritual people kind of informed Paul, well, maybe even came and saw him and said, we're concerned with what's going on. And, and then in chapter 7, uh, he writes them counsel again, hoping they're going to obey. And, and it just wasn't getting any better. And in fact, it's, it's actually believed that Paul actually made a visit. And he talks about uh, in chapter 2 Corinthians 2, 1, it says, But I'm determined within myself that I should not come again with you in sorrow. So it seems like between all this, Paul going through there makes a quick visit and it was just so full of conflict. It was so, he just, he could barely stand it, you know. And then in the midst of all this, we get these letters. So we, as we go through this book, actually the two books of Corinthians, we, we get the feeling that the, the, the problem kind of did get cleaned up after a while. And uh, the crisis kind of passed. And uh, I mean, oh, God can solve our problems if we'll trust him and we'll let him. I'll close with this, these thoughts here. It's not easy to be a minister of the gospel. It wasn't easy. We read this. I encourage you, read through the, you can read through this and not long. I mean, just, just in a little while. You can read through both books. It doesn't take long. Just feel the heart of Paul, a father for the church. It was hard for him to be a minister. As a steward, he had to be faithful no matter what people did, no matter what people said. He had to be faithful. At times, he had to rebuke people he, he in the last message we talked about how they were like the the refuse of the world and the things that he would say it was very hard sometimes their own spiritual children would break his heart which it did for paul so i think we need to respect the servants of god whoever they are pray for them love them obey them in christ amen the way of the father let's just pray that god would give us spiritual fathers at trinity life church could we pray that would you just stand as we dismiss this time thank you for being i'm so glad to see each of you here tonight the young and the not so young right the rest of us i want to pray and I, i'll just say it this way i want to pray for spiritual fathers but also spiritual mothers yeah. i tell you the mothers in the church yeah. where would we be without the spiritual mothers in the church wow yeah. But my prayer tonight is that God would give us spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers in the church that could, could in a sense, give birth to life, give birth to ministries. Do you know one, one, one lady in Charles Spurgeon's church, one, one lady was influential in winning 400 ladies to Christ? One lady. I would call that a spiritual mother. And examples, examples. I can think of people in the church that have been tremendous examples. And then sometimes we have to discipline. We can't just go along to get along. There's a time to deal with stuff. Get the church cleaned up. Get the leaven out. Paul talked about that. We'll talk about that leaven, a little bit of leaven. I want you to be a spiritual father. 
I want you to be a spiritual mother. Let's pray. Father, pray this evening that your grace would rest upon Trinity Life Church. Father, I ask that you give us spiritual fathers. Give us those that are like pillars. Father, we know there's no perfect men, no perfect pastors or men or women, but Lord, we want to grow. I pray there be maturity. Give us fathers. Give us fathers like Paul. Give us mothers in the faith. And Lord, we pray for your blessing. We worship you. We praise you. Lord, we pray once again as we close this time. I pray for a blessing on Sunday. I pray all of our boys and girls that will be here, the wonderful, I pray that they have such a great experience about being in a church. That, Lord, that it will go with them the rest of their life. They'll remember, and that, Lord, that we're, that this Trinity Life Church will be a place that these boys and girls can grow and really learn their faith. Not, not just attend church and then get 30 years old and hardly know two scriptures. But, Lord, let there be a deep faith rooted in these kids. And I just thank you. Lord, keep us all safe. Keep us close to you. Keep us low in your presence. God, we need you. We need your help. We need your supply. Lord, as we seek to follow your purpose and your will, guide us. Guide us with your eyes. Bless us, Lord, so that we can bring glory and honor to your name. And that's what we pray as we conclude. I want you to get all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you as you're dismissed in the Lord. We'll see you first thing Sunday morning.